Good evening, good evening, good evening, Red Raider Nation. This is Joe with the Cotton Club crew coming to you on this Sunday, the 25th, from the heartbeat of the 806, and that is Lubbock, Texas. Going to go over a recap over the over the weekend, over the Texas Tech, Texas Southern meetup, you know, first set here in Lubbock, the first games back in the law in over a year. So I am joined this evening with our baseball guru himself, Mr. Jack Bell. Mr. Jack Bell, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm fantastic, Joe. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic as well. Um, I had a little three-day weekend that kind of turned into something massive on a restaurant standpoint where I made a tweet about a burger place in Lubbock, Texas and near the c- campus, and it kind of turned into something big. So I have become the burger guru of the 806. That's not what I'm calling myself, but that is what I am being called and being held as currently. So it's been a very interesting weekend for many reasons. I was off this weekend. actually got to go watch Texas Tech play on Friday. <coughs> Excuse me. Had a lot, you know, to watch. I, I went alone. I didn't have anybody beside me, so I just actually had a chance to fully watch the game with kind of no outside interferences, noise kids friends talking about this that or the other it's just one of those deals i could strictly strictly focus on this baseball game and and this team so it was a good one for me like i said we'll get back on the sty of working tomorrow morning but as of right now and this weekend it was great on my end so briefly jack i mean if you're looking at the whole here just the whole weekend we'll start diving into each individual game here Outsiders looking in, looking at three box scores, see it, <coughs> excuse me, see 32 runs put up on Friday, see 20 runs put up on Saturday, and see, I believe it was 16 tonight is what I have here in front of me, if I'm not mistaken, 16 tonight, 68 runs scored in three games, I've arguably probably one of the highest out outbursts of runs in baseball that I could think of in a very long time. I can't really think of any other series in recent memory in any level or any stretch um, of putting this kind of runs up in three games. So looking at the box score, 68 runs or looking at the these game totals, 68 runs in three games. What kind of stands out to you in 68 runs? What are you thinking when you see that? as a collectively for a weekend? Well, you got to think about a lot of things, right? Um, and no uh, no disrespect to Texas Southern. Uh, props to them for coming in. And, uh, you know, they had a, they had a couple of good uh, innings themselves, put up some runs. So it's not like they were, uh, you know, just, you know, dead bodying it around. They, uh, they put up some runs as well. Um, First thing that I think of just from a standpoint is you got to look at who you're playing. Um, but you also are playing a team that, you know, they are, they are D one and, you know, they have their conference as well that they have to play in at the same time. Um, 
just a, just a hair over 22 runs a game average uh, is always going to put you in a great spot to win. Um, and I did like a lot of the stuff that I saw from a lot of guys this weekend. Um, some interesting lineups for sure. And we'll dive into that as well. But, um, you know, overall, a much needed uh, offensive outburst and a much needed uh, kind of event free weekend, if you will, in terms of the, you know, outcomes and just getting a lot of guys that may not normally see the field. Some, some solid PT as well there uh, over these past, uh, three days. So, uh, definitely good things that we saw and, uh, I'm pretty happy to, and anxious to talk about it. And that's what we're here for boys and girls. We are here to talk some Texas tech baseball. If you are just joining us, if you accidentally fast forwarded it too much, I'm Joe with cotton club crew along with Jack, our, our local and our baseball guru, talking some Texas Tech, Texas Southern baseball this weekend. So, Jack, let's just go on and jump into a game one. Kyle Robinson gets the call. He's, <coughs> excuse me, most likely going to be your Friday starter um, for the foreseeable future. I don't see him kind of giving that role up. He's pitched well enough to stay in that position. And, you know, he started off the game a little rocky there, gave up a a walk, and then the next batter came up and hit a triple, scored one, and they were on the board early. Um, barreled him up a couple of times early in this game, but was able to settle in later on in the in the game there, ultimately pitching five innings, giving up that one hit, one run that was earned, three walks to his eight strikeouts. What did you see from Kyle Robinson this game, and do you see him going into midseason form early this year? I wouldn't call it mid-season form just yet. Still see a little bit of buggy stuff here and there. Um, again, we got to look at who we're playing, but uh, the walks still stand out a little bit. Um, that's kind of been a constant for this pitching staff over the past few seasons, walks getting them into trouble. Um, did like what I saw on the resilience side of things, though, uh, you know, giving up that early run uh, and then kind of getting back to uh, basics and, and kind of settling in, like you mentioned, uh, over those uh, five innings. Uh, really, really was impressed with the eight strikeouts. Uh, once he got, you know, in his zone, had a lot of stuff working for him. The fastball looked good. Uh, his off-speed stuff was looking pretty good. Had some bite to it as well. Uh, right in that happy zone there um, at about 80 to 85 pitches. Um, could see him going longer at times, but... Uh, you know, uh, against a team like uh, Texas Southern, you you want to see some other guys get out there and get some run. Uh, and I definitely think we saw that. And uh, overall from Kyle, good stuff. Um, I do agree with you. I don't see him getting moved from that, from that Friday night spot, um, at least going into this next series against uh, Gardner-Webb next weekend. But um, I do, I saw for, for the most part. And that's what you just want to see from your Friday starter consistency, getting the getting outs, staying in there longer than four and a third innings, you know, giving your bullpen a break. And that's what Kyle Robinson did only giving up the one run. The walks to your point also is just a little high for the five innings of work, but 
whenever you see what we did on the offensive side of the ball, you could kind of live with that given the circumstances of the onslaught that this tech offense put on this Texas Southern defense. So Kyle Robinson, like I said, he's growing into that position as being your number one guy. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't think he's giving that over. I think he's solidified his, his time at, at the, at the one spot and your Friday starter. Um, the other two starters, the other um, Saturday starter and Sunday starters, I think those are up for grabs, to be completely honest, and we'll get into Zane Petty's start here shortly. But, Jack, going into this game on Friday, you give up that one early run early on, and then it is just a juggernaut of, of Texas Tech offense. They were seeing the ball well. Texas Southern necessarily didn't help themselves by issuing 14 walks as a staff. That's not going to win you very many ball games. And Tech made them pay whenever, whenever those runners were put on the on the bases. So, what do you like from this Texas Tech offense on Friday, Jack? Anything stand out to you, other than you know being disciplined at the plate, earning those walks, and then whenever given the opportunity to get those runners in from you know in scoring position, um, coming up with the big hit to get some of those guys in. Yeah, I did want to touch on the discipline there. Um, it, it's a nice, it's a nice thing to see. Uh, having been in Arlington and watching those other three games, um, overall in those, I don't really necessarily feel feel like they. Towards the end of the weekend, they kind of started getting a little more disciplined. I know against Oregon, uh, they drew more walks than in the other two combined, uh, but. I feel like there was a lot more, um, a lot more discipline at the plate, and even in the two midweek games, um, there was a lot of discipline at the plate as well. Uh, so that's always a good thing to see uh, from your guys. Again, uh, we kind of got to look at who we're playing here. Uh, when you when you have a guy, your starter for uh, Texas Southern, you know, come in and only he didn't even make it out of the first. And, you know, of those six runs that were credited to him, uh, you know, he had five walks through, or he had five walks in a, in a hit batter, I think through, through those two thirds. So, um, facing 10 batters, technically only four at bats against him, uh, didn't get out of there, uh, right at about 50 pitches, um, making the guys work, which is obviously what you want to see. Um, and this one specifically, I was really, I was really encouraged by the fact that you saw a lot of offense, and it's, and it's going to happen in these games, you know, where you're putting up a ton of runs, where you you see a lot of guys get, um, you see a lot of guys get a lot of run in the field uh, that m- might not typically normally be out there. So, I was really happy with seeing a lot of offense from pretty much everyone uh, that, that got in that game. I think the only person that didn't touch the plate in that Friday game was Cade McGee. And uh, you know, that, that guy say what you want about about his stats. Uh, You know, the batting average might be a little low for his like, but man, that guy can get on base. And um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he can go over one, but if he's got, four walks and he scores sometimes then you know i'm not gonna shake my head at 
you know, an on-base percentage, you know, I'm I'm guessing through through these first uh, eight games, he's probably somewhere around maybe four to five hundred, if I had to guess. So, uh, you know, he's he's got a good he's got a good eye on him at the plate, which is uh, which is all you can ask for from a more uh, from more seasoned guy. Uh, one of our more seasoned guys, I should say, uh, in the transfer from Gonzaga. But um, like I mentioned, uh, overall in this one and the Friday night one, uh, pretty excited to see a, a lot of offense come from a lot of different areas, which is which is always a which is always a plus to know that you know worst case scenario if someone goes down, um, there's a lot of depth all around here to kind of plug and play with this, with this roster, which is, which is definitely a positive. It was good to see, you know, a lot of young faces, a lot of names that we've heard uh, highly touted recruits that chose Texas tech that we weren't necessarily probably going to see a lot of playing time this year. So to your Garrett Boehm's, your Travis Sanders, your Landon Striplings, um, Drew Woodcox, I know he's not a younger guy, but, you know, he's just kind of lost in the depth chart to a degree just by, you know, virtue of a numbers game and also how well Damian Bravo and Austin Green are both playing. It's just one of those positions that, you know, he's going to have to earn it. And I mean, he came in to pinch run and he had ultimately ending the game with two hits and five RBIs. I mean, that's just making the most of your opportunity and some of these other guys that did come in also making um, said said name for themselves, you know, like, hey, this is the future. I had put a tweet out there at one point in time during the game. I might have to go back to it because I don't remember exactly what I said, but the current infield for Texas Tech was Landon Stripling at first, Tracer Lopez at second, Travis Sanders at third, Pompey at short, and Bazell catching none of those guys except for Bazell. I mean, technically he's been with the program for three years, but only technically a sophomore. Then you have a freshman in Stripling, sophomore in Lopez, freshman in Sanders and freshman in, in Pompey. I mean, if that doesn't get you fired up for the future, I don't, I don't know what is, you know, this is potentially what we're going to be seeing in years to come. There's still a lot of baseball and a lot of time between now and then, but on paper and actually being able to see all of those guys on the field at the same time, goosebumps and chills for what this infield could be. Cause that could be an elite defense on the infield side where you're, where you're not going to hit the ball anywhere and be okay either at on the ground in the air bunning, you know, our guys are just that solid as a unit there. So that was really one great thing to see inside that, inside that particular baseball game. Obviously there's that, that side of you, like watching the score get run up, but I mean, it was awesome to see because it wasn't just like you said, all these guys that normally see playing time up there to get bats. All these guys that got up to bat were squaring the ball up, making solid contact. So it's just nothing but, you know, confidence builders for those guys, because once their name gets called again, they'll be ready for that spot. So um, going on to game two, another beat down by the rain, uh, by the red Raiders 
coming out of this game with a 20-4 victory, 20 runs on 20 hits. Texas Southern pitching staff also, again, another bad day pitching, not able to get guys off the bases, giving those free passes away. Um, Seven walks issued on this game. Texas Tech was able to exploit some of those things. Again, on the batting side, Jack going into game two, a whole lot of the same thing that you saw in game one. You had some other guys get in on it. Gavin Cash, was there was another Gavin Cash sighting. I have a very interesting question to ask you about Gavin Cash later on in the program, but um, some of these guys getting some more run. What on the offensive side on that Texas Tech did, is there anything that stood out to you? Dylan Maxey got in on it. Woodcox, Pompey again, um, Gavin Cash all in on these runs. Is there anything that stood out to you in game two for this ball club? I think it's a lot more of the same for me, at least for this one. You got a lot of guys that I don't want to say necessarily won't play a lot, but you saw guys that don't normally get the nod get in there and play like they never missed a beat. you know, Dylan Maxey coming in there for uh with three for five with two uh, two ribbies. Uh you know, Sanders getting in there uh later in the game. Uh you know, just had a solid all around effort from the squad. I think it's really interesting what we're seeing play out. And I know you had that question for me about uh Gavin Cash later, but I'm really interested as well, kind of focusing on that on that right field position. Uh, you saw in this game where Austin Green started the game in center, and you had Drew Woodcox in right, and then you had Bazell DH because you had Maxi at catcher. Um, definitely an interesting lineup, especially to put uh, you know to put Green out there in center. Uh, I was caught a little bit off guard by it, but overall worked out really well. You ended up seeing Will Burns come in and play center later on in the game. So he looked good uh, in the field at least, and uh, he's getting some positive at bats up there in the plate as well. So again, just a little more of the same. You're seeing a lot of production from all over the place, not just your set starting nine, so to speak, that we for a majority of this season, you're seeing a lot of different guys come in and make plays when given the opportunity. And uh, as a tech fan and, you know, as someone who's watched the program for, you know, a very long time going on three decades now, uh, this is definitely a, very good problem to have if you're Tim Tadlock. A an extremely good problem to have. Uh, a lot of guys vying for some valuable playing time, and really forcing Coach Tadlock's hand in running some different lineups out there to get your best producers out there uh, in the lineup to make some to wreak some havoc on these opposing teams. Yeah, between Austin Green, Owen Washburn, Davian Brob. Bravo. I mean, these guys are just hitting beach balls out there. That's how well they're seeing the ball squared up, 
great contact. Hell, I'll even throw Pompey in there, but I mean, Pompey's a young guy and he kind of earned his way as the freshman coming in to essentially force all these changes in all these different spots within this roster by how well he played in the offseason. So, like you said, a great problem for Coach Tadlock and company to have that you have all these different moving pieces out there and that could produce at any given time when their number's called. But it's going to be it's going to be challenging, I guess, whenever it comes to Big 12 conference time to, you know, fully solidify that lineup with your nine best going up there to hit the baseball and you have 12 or 13 that are ready to rock and roll. That's down the road. That's near in the near future. But if they stay on this trajectory right now, then Coach Tadlock is going to be in an ideal position heading into Big 12 play with some of these batters on this on this lineup. Um, going into the pitching staff there, Jack, Zane Petty, three and two-thirds innings, six hits given up, three runs, all three of them earned, one strikeout but zero walks. What did you see from Zane on Saturday? Are you, are you seeing some growth there between some of his stars? Are we kind of still on the fence on where Petty sits on the Saturday pitcher do you think he could potentially be replaced there yes and no it's again it's tough to judge these spots as much as we are it's tough to do it after two starts and while in this one i did see growth from the first one i did see a lot of stuff that did need does need to get resolved the walks did get resolved in this one which is a positive um I think there's a happy medium in Zane's game and his presence on the mound. Um, I think he has a lot of good stuff going for him. And I think that there's still a happy medium there to find in between the walks and the hits. Um, you know, we did talk about the problems being, or the walks being a problem against Nebraska. And, they weren't in this one, but there were you could see instead of, you know, occasionally missing with a pitch off the zone to try and get a batter to fish, uh, he hit the zone and they barreled him up. So, again, I, I think there's a good happy medium there, and they're still trying to find it, but there's definitely progress made in this. Would definitely be okay with giving up, you know, a couple or three walks over five or six innings. Um, as long as they're not barreling you up. So in terms of that, I don't think right now that you make that move, uh, especially kind of looking ahead to who's coming into town next. I think you give them, you trot them out there on Saturday again next weekend, and you try to find that happy medium. You've kind of had one start on each side of the spectrum here, and I think this one, after three, you can kind of fairly judge. So... I think you trot him back out there on Saturday and uh, this coming weekend. And after a full week of rest, obviously will bode well for everyone on this roster. And I think that we'll kind of see where he's at and how he's feeling coming up in this upcoming series, this coming weekend. But as of now, I think you trot him out there again on Saturday and, and kind of see what you got. I think, the same. I think 
you leave him as your Saturday starter. I think he has the prowess to start fixing some of these mistakes. You start getting that confidence on the pitching mound. You start to change mechanics. You start to change this and that. I don't think he's pressing so much as he did against Nebraska. And that shows in the box score with zero walks on this game. But he did leave some low-hanging fruit out there that absolutely got barreled up. So I think he's still kind of in that work-in-progress stage. I think he will get better, and he's proven that he is making a positive jump in direction. And I, I think it may be a little too early to pull him to your point, but we'll just exactly see kind of what happens as a week of practice going into this next series get some more pitching, work on some mechanics, do the things that he needs to do to better himself and to, you know, help this Texas Tech ball club out. So that brings us into today's game, Jack. Texas Tech actually started off in the hole in this game. Um, down to Jack Washburn getting his, his start, giving up two back-to-back home runs there in the third inning then settled a bit, then Tech's offense just woke up, putting another 15-plus runs on the board, ultimately to the final of this game, 16-5. to Jack Washburn with his first career victory as a Red Raider. Pitches, I believe, four and a third innings, giving up four earned runs, three walks to his eight strikeouts. Strikeout total is great. Walks. Maybe if he finished the five innings, you could you could be okay with those three walks there. Um, Josh Sanders came in for two and a thirds, and then Mac Hewer came in for the remaining two as this game was called due to a run rule. Um, Jack Washburn still off of that 18-month hiatus with that injury from the College World Series a couple years back. What did you see from Jack that you like? Or is he starting to you know, kind of fall into his groove of what he he would put himself at, I guess, is a standard? Or do you still think he's still kind of rough around the edges with all of the injury stuff, still trying to integrate himself back into his old self? I think it's a little of both. I don't think that you have a guy on your team that's won a national championship that is satisfied giving up back-to-back home runs like Texas Southern. I mean, again, no disrespect to those guys. Uh, They came in and battled, but that's going to be something that he's going to want to fix. I agree with you on the walk totals. Um, I'd be okay with three going the full five, uh, especially with, uh, you know, you you tend to get a little more lenient on the walk totals if your strikeout totals are up in the high singles, like Jack's were today um, with eight. I think that... The one thing that kind of worries me, I don't want to say worries because that's a definite kind of a buzzword, right? Uh, The pitch count was a little high for four and a third. Uh, He ended close to about 90, I believe. So you'd like to see that down over four and a third. But at the same time, it's good to see that he can go out there and throw 89 pitches. Um, I think that you know, over time, he's going to get back to his, his normal self. And 
he's he's making this positive strides for it again you, you can't you can't complain about going out there and striking out eight over four and a third and throwing 89 pitches uh but you know a little rough around the edges still there's still some stuff to come back to but overall uh again the positive strides are there and they're coming forward fast so i think if anything you have your Friday and Sunday starters pretty much cemented. Don't know if Washburn might get pushed up into that Saturday spot, depending on what we see going forward out of that Saturday starting spot. But right now, I think those are your two most reliable guys in the, in the weekend rotation. It's safe to say. Yeah. I mean, I haven't ever had some catastrophic injury like that to where I had to sit for a year and a half before I was able to play a sport again. So I, it's kind of hard for me to exactly know what he's going through. And if it was an arm and elbow kind of issue and you're a pitcher, I know those things are delicate. You're real, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say super concerned, but I mean, you're afraid to fully let it loose, right? You, you just, you're just coming off of this major injury and you're doing whatever you it takes to stay on the field, but you obviously don't want to push it too far to further hurt yourself, and that's for your career aspirations if you want to go pro, and that's for wanting to stay you know, relatively healthy for the season. So he could still be kind of on that little fine line of, hey, I'm 100%. I just don't want to push it yet because, you know, I don't – you know, the um, just people with injuries like that. I've had other injuries – not quite as catastrophic that I had to see that much playing time off. But I know that whenever I came back from said injury, it took me a little while to, before I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. You know, like you push yourself. So I kind of think that that's where Jack's at. I think he's on the cusp of being a potential Saturday starter. I know he's a for sure Sunday all night and day as it sits right now, but given some of the Zane Petty woes, which, is an early sample size, eight games into the season. I I don't foresee him just right now jumping and taking over that Saturday role, but it is good to see the progress. The strikeout totals are amazing. I um, want to cut down some of those, those walks there, but, you know, overall another solid performance from Jack, you know, and then getting his very first um, win um, since, you know, the college world series and his first win as a red Raider. So, Hats off to him. I see nothing but good things happening from him moving forward. Just stay the course, young man. You'll be there, and, you know, you'll do great things here. I'm going to the offensive side of the ball again, Texas Tech. It took a little while to get started. Wasn't able to put any runs on the board until the bottom of the third. But then um, Damian Brombo, Bravo hit this towering um, bomb to center field over our our monster out there. It may or may not have been wind aided. West Texas does that, but um, that's got us off the sty there. Got got us going, and then <clears throat> excuse me. From that point on, three runs, four runs, seven runs, two runs, and then the ball game. Offensive wise, and a lot like the previous two games, Jack. Anything that stands out to you in the offensive side for this Texas Tech offense? I think in this one, for me, a lot of things that 
you know, didn't necessarily happen in the first couple innings. It's kind of a lull, so to speak, but that got solved really quickly. And again, it's always nice to see your team come out and be able to score runs at will. And today you saw that Um, there were, I think over the weekend, man, I, I have lost count of how many innings we had that we scored over like five or more runs. I believe it was like five or six innings that we had over five runs this weekend. So um, it's good to see your team being able to score a lot of runs. And like I said, a lot of discipline at the plate today, ending up with 11 walks as a team. A lot of guys having multiple walks. Um, Again, just really excited to see these guys battle. Uh, Excited to see a lot of guys kind of break out of slumps this weekend. Um, Gage played really well today. And that was really nice to see. Uh, you saw Owen Washburn doing Owen Washburn a la two years ago things. And that's awesome to see. And it's really good to see him kind of come back from his own respective injury as, uh, you know, both Washburn brothers are kind of coming back from some injuries. So it's really good to see him play well and, you know, kind of carry, not, not necessarily carry the team. I, I don't want to say that, but um, he played really well today. And again, he's making that case to play every day, which is all you can ask for. Um, the other thing, the other positive you can look at over stuff like this, you have guys that might not necessarily be starting the season so hot, get some, not necessarily breaks, but some rest. And I think it's always good to where you can get some guys that are going to play, you know, nine out of every 10 games this season, some early rest in the year to kind of keep them fresh for as long as possible. I think you see that in these types of series as well. So uh, that's also a big positive to take a look at as well from this squad. Spoken truths, spoken, spoken truths. Um, we've talked about it earlier in this programming. It's just Tadlock's going to have some decisions to make uh, moving forward as far as how he wants to set this lineup. If he's going to, you know, work these guys in who have definitely earned playing time in some capacity, either from the DH spot or actually being out there on the field during the game. It's just a very, very good problem to have that we are putting coach Tadlock in this position. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So kind of going into it, Texas tech on the year six and two. Now um, some big guys, you know, coming up clutch have been solid at the dish have been solid out in the field. As we sit now, we don't have another game until next weekend. So we have some time to let it simmer, but as it sits right now, from what you've seen from this baseball team, what is your lineup looking at looking like on Friday night when they they trot out there to play Gardner Webb? Are you making any changes? Jack, I got you there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't see a whole lot of changes being made. 
Um, I see that mostly I'm not making any changes personally from what we've seen kind of like as our base lineup. The only thing that I would be kind of going for would be maybe some shifts in spots in the lineup. I think that there have been some guys that have shown a lot. And the thing is, when you're talking about making shifts in the lineup as well, you're talking about guys that might be comfortable in the spot that they're in. Uh, Obviously you're going to talk about Pompey. He's absolutely raking right now, but as long as the guys in front of him are getting on for him to drive those guys in out of the nine or eight or nine hole uh, in the lineup, it's tough to say that you want to move him up because you know, that might be where he's comfortable. Um, The guy gets on base which is a positive and you also want him to be on base for your top of the lineup. Who's producing at a solid clip right now. Um, I think for me, my lineup looks something along the lines of having Lopez at second, uh, green and right. Uh, Bazell catching. I'm still keeping cash at first. Um, and then, you know, going on from there, McGee at third, Bravo in left, Harrelson in center, and, and Pompey at short. I just don't. I was extremely impressed with what Landon Stripling did this weekend. Um, extremely impressed. He's a viable option. And I think that, again, this is something that with these huge outbursts, and mostly I'm talking about Friday. Uh, Kid Homer twice uh, went five for seven from the plate with seven ribbies. That's a huge performance. Um, again, you have to take a look at who we're playing. I think that he's definitely earned some more playing time. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how Coach Tadlock plugs him into this lineup because right now I don't see a spot where you can keep Austin Green or Owen Washburn out of this lineup. Um, obviously, the main thing here you could do would be to sub him in for cash. I don't think you you can't abandon Gavin Cash right now. You absolutely cannot. This is someone who is an all Big 12 guy, preseason All American, All American last year um, at the end of the year. I'm I'm one of the biggest proponents against preseason stuff. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Um, so cool, all the preseason accolades or whatever, but no one cares uh, at the end of the year. Oh, well, I was a preseason. Well, cool. What'd you do during the season? No one cares about the preseason stuff. And I know Gavin Cash is one of those people as well. Um, you're also in a spot where guys like Drew Woodcox are playing really well. So you're at a point where you can think, well, I I might slide green from right to center. Gage played really well today in center. Uh, Well, you know, then do I slide them over, just slide the outfield over a position? Well, guess what? Your left fielder right now has been the most consistent and best hitter on this team through eight games. So you don't make that move by any means. I think you keep Damian Bravo right where he is because, like I said, he has is and has been the best hitter on this team this season. Um, you don't really move anyone on the infield as far as I'm concerned. Um, Travis Sanders 
played great in the games that he saw this weekend, but uh, you know, Cade McGee's getting on base and whether he's getting hits or not, that's one thing, but even when he's struggling to get hits, he's still getting on base via the walk or hit by pitch. Um, so you can't argue with that either. Um, you're not taking Pompey out. He's been absolutely raking. Tracer is, is played serviceable. Um, kind of tailed off towards the end of the weekend this weekend, but you know, you have off games. So I don't really see anything that I make in serious moves here. I, I think that what you have right now is a really good lineup. And again, um, this is something that as a fan, it's a great problem to have. You have truly, uh, you have 10, 11, 12, possibly 13 guys that could be starting in nine spots on this field right now. So, well, 10, if you want to count the DH, but you got, you got 13 guys that are going to be, well, I guess nine counting the DH technically, but, um, you know, you got 13 guys that could start on this team right now. And it's a great problem to have. So right now I'm not making any big changes. Um, and again, if these guys are comfortable in the spot they are in the lineup, then keep right on keeping on. Um, the only thing that I could possibly foresee would be, you know, a couple of slides in the line and, and due to spot it within the lineup. But your guys that are in there to to start right now, I don't think they change. I've been kind of back and forth on this as I thought about it more and more through the day. I believe you leave cash out there because he's earned that spot and he's earned the right to, you know, to play through whatever he's going through right now, because what, and this actually kind of goes to last year. If, to, if you really look at the meat and potatoes of this entire situation, he started showing, he started trending down um, once they made it to the postseason, and that's carried over into this season. And it's it's tough to watch him struggle because when when he's at his peak, we know what it's like, and it's it's just not the Gavin Cash we see. I'm not calling for his job, um, but Stripling does make a valid argument, and I believe that you know any opportunity that he's given, he's he's taken advantage of said opportunity. Now that's neither here or there. It's just one of those things that what I've seen. So I'm leaving it. Like you said, Cash at first, Tracer at at the at second, Pompey at short, McGee at at third, Bazell catching, and then the likes of Bravo, Harrelson, and Green in the outfield, left right, left center right, and then Owen Washburn DHing. Um, you are in a very very interesting situation there um, as far as your lineup goes and who you could match up in there whoever the other team is pitching also has a lot to do with lineups. So if it's anything that necessarily changes, I think maybe where guys are at in the lineup, they may flip flop Harrelson and tracer leave Pompey where he's at, leave Bravo where he's at. And then you have green Bazell cash your two, your two, three and four hitters with Washburn McGee, and Bravo, you know, right there after the the four <clears throat> the four top hitters there. But I don't think anything's necessarily going to change there, but it 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 does you know leave the 
the question out there, I mean, if you're looking statistically wise, this isn't necessarily Gavin Cash's best eight game stretch as a Red Raider. And that's that could be that could be kind of messed up, I guess, if you look at it because of how many games he's played with us. But it also does leave the question, Landon Stripling, a hell of a baseball player. I asked you this um, pre-show, and I'll kind of end it here after this question just to kind of get your thoughts. If you see another struggling weekend for Gavin Cash, do you see him potentially getting moved to either a DH spot or just losing his spot for a couple of games so he could get his head right? I don't know. And looking, the thing that I look at when considering all of this, right, you take a look at the schedule coming forward. You got three games against Gardner-Webb and then a game a midweek at New Mexico on March 5th. Tech has never, ever, ever played well in Albuquerque. Um, ever. And you can go take a look back. And I remember, God, it might have been two or three years ago after Braden Runyon had been at Tech and then transferred over to New Mexico. And I believe he hit a walk-off Grand Slam against us the last time we played in Albuquerque. So, again, Tech has really historically never played well in Albuquerque. So I'm actually kind of interested to see how that game goes uh, in the midweek there. But you're looking at, I mean, it's time to wake up, folks, because you've played eight games. You have four games left before conference play starts. Um, With this newer Big 12, there's not as many non-conference games. So you're looking at, granted, we have pushed some of our non-conference games to later in the year. Uh, I know that there is a midweek against Stanford in at the beginning of April. Um, but again, those are midweeks. Uh, we also have midweek games against Arkansas in the middle of April in Fayetteville. That'll be fun series. But um, again, with these, with this larger big 12 this year, you're going to see a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot less non-conference games. So at least in the in the buildup to when the big time schedule starts. So you have four games left before you host a three game series against Texas in Lubbock. Uh, last time they come to Lubbock. So I don't want to say time's ticking because that's very ominous. This team is in a very good spot right now. You just saw it after this weekend. I think you're going to continue to see this team succeed at the plate, uh, regardless of what happens. But, you know, I mentioned it earlier that if there comes a time where someone needs to take a day off, you're not worried about it, which is again, a a solid thing, a a good thing, a good problem to have. Um, You know, if we get to the point where, you know, we're seriously talking about, a major slump can, you know, continuing over the next two to three weeks. Um, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we obviously want the best producers out there to win this game uh, and to win games. I think 
Gavin Cash is still the best option that we have at first base. I don't think he gives that up by any means. Um, I honestly figure that you see him get back on track this coming weekend and possibly in Albuquerque as well. But you're going to put your best guys out there to win games. And again, if he needs some time where he's not in the lineup or if he needs to take a DH spot for a day, it's a good thing to have because I'm not worried about it uh, by any means necessary, especially after what we saw from Stripling this weekend. Uh, Kid's a gamer, so it can also be kind of a positive thing, you know, saying, hey, you know, he's on your heels. It's time, kind of time to step up. So maybe that'll get, you know, uh, give him a nice little kick in the ass to get going. But I, I th- again, if if it comes to that, the best the best thing you can say here is I'm truly not worried about it because I'm not. And I truly think, do I think that it'll come to that? I don't. But if it does, um, we have more than serviceable backups there. So again, I'm not too worried about it. I was kind of right there as well. I think it's he's checking his rear view mirror. He's still he still has that position. He still is Gavin Cash at the end of the day. And I think, you know, he's a he's been around programs enough. I mean, because he sat and watched his first year at Texas. And last year he comes here and was the hit of the town, you know, and then he's not he's not necessarily he's the old news essentially as far as what people have seen, there's a whole lot more tape on him out there of tendencies and his struggles last year towards the end of the year. So I just think it's overcoming those said struggles that he's having, because I mean, he's a damn good ball player. As I said earlier on, when he's on, he's on, he is one of the most dangerous hitters in college baseball. And that's just, these are the facts. It's proven facts. So, it's but it's just four games before you start conference. You kind of want to have all your your guys, you know, on the right path, hitting the ball right, and especially whenever you have a Texas ball team coming into Lubbock in a couple of weeks. I mean, in two weeks, matter of fact, you know, it's just you have to have your guys ready to rock and roll. I know the fact of the matter is also you have all these different um, pieces playing well right now, so you're in a good spot, but. Obviously, Gavin Cash is one of those guys that you would like to be in the right state of mind for that opening series of the Big 12. So we'll see exactly how Gavin handles, I would say, adversity, um, his first set of it since he's been here, of actually having to look over his shoulder because there's somebody in his right behind him, you know, kind of nipping at the heels. But I, I think I think he's a gamer. He's going to he's going to come and play. He has a solid next four games, the three against Gardner Webb in New Mexico, depending on how much playing time he sees. And those games um, could be telling for what we see going into the conference play. But like I said, Coach Coach Tadlock has a lot of guys that are ready that are chomping at the bit to get in there um, and help this ball club win games. So, um, like I said, it's fast and furious. The Big 12 conference is almost here. Um, so that'll kind of be our recap for the weekend. Kind of ran a little bit longer than what I had hoped for. Jack, is there anything else that you have on the docket regarding this baseball team moving forward? Are you just waiting to see what happens in the upcoming week and see what we throw out there on Friday? I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot, and I think that a lot of the lineups that you see 
you know, they've kind of changed over the past, this past weekend, there's a lot of, you know, shuffling around. Um, I think that that starts to happen less and less, the closer you get to conference play. So I would look for uh, the guys that, you know, are pretty much locked into their spots. They're going to play all three games this weekend. And I would be shocked if they came out barring another 30 run onslaught. Uh, I, I think if these games are within 10 runs, uh, I, I think you expect to see those guys that are going to be locked into their spots, play the whole game, just because you like to get them into a into a groove as well. You know, get ready to play three games because once we get to the conference play, you, if you're locked in your spot, you're not sitting, you're not coming out. So I think these guys are going to be getting into their groove, their last kind of full weekend series before conference play is coming up. So uh, I think you're going to see a lot less shifting in the lineup and a lot less uh, guys, you know, rotating in and out. And unless that's the route that they're going to take throughout conference. And I think that if you see that, you know, constant movement of the lineup and a lot of pinch runners, pinch hitters, a lot of plug and play guys, depending on the situation uh, this coming weekend, then I think you can kind of pencil that down in your book that that's the way this team might play it during conference play, which is not, your stereotypical Tim Tadlock coaching style, which I think is very interesting. So uh, be on the lookout for that, but we'll, we'll be able to tell a lot after this coming weekend. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, also some of the different pitching lineups and different guys from the bullpen, which orders they start coming out in is another thing to keep an eye on going into conference play in a little bit over a week and a half. So Tadlock's got a lot of decisions to make, um, a lot of decisions to make on some players that have definitely earned the right to see the field. So we'll see exactly which direction he goes and which direction we take it in in the Big 12. But I am Joe from the Cotton Club crew. He is Jack, also with the Cotton Club crew. And thanks for listening tonight. I know it ran a little bit longer than we had expected. You know, we get to rambling sometimes. We love talking about Texas Tech sports, especially on the baseball front of it. But just expect some more content um, to hear from us. Um, we're going to be carrying the baseball side of our podcast um, this year. So just plan on hearing a, a lot from me and or Jack um, moving forward as this baseball season progresses. So you guys have a great end of your weekend. Have a great week of work. Get prepped for that. Last game on Tuesday night here in Lubbock when the Longhorns come over here for this basketball game and get a get primed for another three-day set here in Lubbock against Gardner Webb. Thanks again, all you who, who listen. Have a great have a great week and wreck them. <laughs>